Hey guys, it's Corrine again, back for another episode of The Mama Struggle. Today I'll be speaking with a former colleague of mine named Arielle, who is a teacher in Baltimore City and who shares with me about having faith, having a whirlwind pregnancy, breastfeeding, parenting black boys, and the importance of preserving your health, you know, especially this day and age. And so I really had an opportunity to have a really funny and really heartfelt conversation with Ariel. For me, there were so many takeaways from this conversation, and I really hope that you all gain a lot from it as well. All right, talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for agreeing to be interviewed. I'm so happy you're here. Yay, um, thank you. I'm getting all the feels, so thank you. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to start right in. We're going to jump right in. And sure. um, I want you to take me back to the moment you found out you were pregnant the first time. Was it planned? And what was oh, that moment like when you found out you were just like, oh, Okay. <laughs> Okay, so this is a story. Now, first okay. of all, you know I'm a talker. So like be like, cut, listen, I'm a talker, okay? So I just want to let you know. All right. So when I first this was December of 2013 when I found out that I was pregnant with my first son. Mm-hmm. So before I found out I was pregnant with my first son, um, I actually had many conversations with doctors and they told me that I had a 10% chance of even carrying a baby. Like they were like, like, ma'am, this is not like, this is not your ministry. This is not happening for you. Oh, wow. um, you know, due to my past. And then it was like, my uterus is like tilted. And it was just like a whole bang of like shabams of like, I have picos. It was just like, no, like, okay. Yeah. So um, that September, I went to a woman's retreat, a, a Christian women's retreat, and I wrote down like in my book of like what I wanted, what was our desires. My desire was to be a mom. I just wanted to be a mother. Like I was married. I was like, you know, let's get this done. So, um, so at the Christian retreat, it was a, it's called the Dragonfly Retreat. All the women was like, put their hands on my belly, and they was like, it's going to happen. They like prayed over my stomach, and I just was like, yay! Like this is going to happen. That was September. So then um, nothing happened. So I was like, oh, okay, this is whack. This isn't going down. And one day in December, in the beginning of December, I started to feel like really sick, like really bad. I was like, I don't know if this is the flu, like what's happening? And literally we went right to the doctor and my doctor was like, well, let's take a pregnancy test. And I'm like, why? Like you've already told me this information. I was exactly two weeks pregnant. Two weeks. Like he he didn't even want to like give me any hopes of like a due date or anything because I was so early on. But I I felt my son like the symptoms and everything was like immediate. Okay. Okay. Not planned because I didn't think it could happen, and I was just like, I'm just gonna like I'm a teacher, you know. I'm a god mommy. That's just my life. It'll be fine. But, you know, here he come and he came into the world like a rolling storm. So that was um then. And he I found out December 15th, 2013. And he came August 21st. OK. okay. Like so, yeah, that was that was the first one. <laughs> OK. All right. So then tell me about your first pregnancy. What was what was that like? Oh, what my was your first son's birth story. I was, the first pregnancy was, I was sick. Oh my goodness. I could not brush my teeth without vomiting. It was insane. It was like, I would be doing so good. And then when it came time for me to brush my teeth, I was like, oh, got to do, I used to literally have to brush my teeth four times in a row because it was over. Like I couldn't put anything in my mouth. I had zero appetite. Uh-huh. Instead of gaining weight, I lost all of this weight. Like okay. it was insane. And um, the only thing that I desired was baked beans. Okay, this is horrible. So beans was my only thing that I wanted. <laughs> beans or cereal. But mind you, I don't like either one now. So that was clearly my son. And cereal was my jump off. And I literally did not eat. Like my mom planned this big, huge um, 
baby shower for me. And she had all this food. My husband's side is Caribbean. So we had all this Caribbean food and my mom's all this food. And I ate nothing but like a bowl of baked beans because I was just sick. I was sick from, I had morning sickness from the day we found out about him until my delivery date. Okay. So you had this bowl of baked beans because you couldn't eat anything. I was just sick as a dog. And I feel like I remember, I feel like I remember part of like part of it. And I feel like, Everybody was just like super concerned because you you weren't eating and like you just that was it. Like couldn't eat it. You were just like miserable during lunch time. I just remember that it was horrible. I was like drinking like ice water. Like it was terrible. (laughs) But you know he was growing and the doctors was like, well we don't have any concern. He's taking what he need. And I'm like, how? I literally am not eating at all. But he came out full term and big and healthy. And I was like, okay, well, okay, there we go. Good. <laughs> so that so then the the day you gave birth then like what was your labor like um labor so i went into i was i was in labor for 15 hours okay. i um i started labor started at like five o'clock in the morning and my husband i didn't know if it was labor or not i thought i was just i'm i'm so much drama so I was like, maybe I'm just being dramatic, but I was like, something is hurting down here, but I don't want to wake him up because he has to go to work. And you know, I'm off in the summertime because you know, being a teacher, it was August. So I was like, I don't, you know, I don't think so. Um, so I didn't want to wake him up. So when he did wake up at 6.30 to go to work, I was like, hey, I've been kind of hurting for the last hour and a half. Uh, I don't know what, if we should kind of, he was like, what? And I was like, hold on, it's back. And like, he timed it and I was like three minutes apart. It was a, I, listen, I didn't know drama, okay? So, so we called the doctor. The doctor was like, get here now. So we went to GBMC and we got there at around eight o'clock in the morning. And SJ was born at seven. He was born at like 7.30 something. Okay. So okay. it was 15 hours of labor. And I just was, okay, so labor story really quickly. Oh my gosh. So- he was a natural baby because, you know, I had never, I didn't know that I wanted, um, that I could have children. So I wanted to experience everything. I was okay. like, I'm doing this. So we get there and the doctor's like, there, you can take meds. You can get an epidural. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, you don't have to prove anything to nobody. And I was like, I'm doing this. My big thing was women in Africa do this every day. I can do this too. When I tell you the amount of pain that I was in was up scene to the point where at like our like at four o'clock so like three hours before he was born I told my mom it was my mom my husband and my mother-in-law was in the room and I told all of them I was like listen I'm dying so I want to just let you know that I'm getting ready to die um I'm going I'm not doing this anymore so I was like I'm gonna hold my breath into me till I die like this is what it is like this pain is obscene like I'm not doing this no more so I literally was like (gasps) Like, I was like, I'm going to hold my breath. Like, I can't take this. Like, this has to end some kind of way. So, um, so that basically, oh, no, my husband, he was like, no, you know, he's fussing and everything like that. And he puts his mouth on my mouth and he just, every time I would hold my breath, he would breathe in real heavy. And he was like, you have to do this. Stop playing. And then the doctor was like, so do you want an epidural now? Like, you want to keep doing this she thing? And I'm like, yes, just give it to me. Now, here's the problem. It was like five o'clock. So it was too late, right? So even though like they put the needle in, one side of my vagina was numb. The other side was just like, hey, I'm here. And literally felt everything. I was like, this is not, why did I even waste my time doing this needle? If I feel every, it was, it was the worst. It was just like the worst. But it was completely my fault. So drama. Wow. Oh my gosh. That was that. After all that, you still ended up giving Having birth naturally. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Giving after all of it. Cause I was like, okay, just give me the epidural. Like I'm going to rest and everything's going to be fine. And she was like, you're not, she's like, don't worry. Once you get the epidural, you're not going to feel anything. You'll just be able to see it on the charts when you're having a contraction. Lies, 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 little lies. Lies, lies, lies. Oh my gosh. I should have did this when I first came in because if I was going to do it, I might as well did it the right way. Yeah. Nope. Oh my gosh. Okay. Okay. So then (laughs) 
what was the first postpartum period like? Like what kind of support did you have? Like, how was that? So I um, had SJ on a Thursday and we went home that Saturday and my husband took off of work um, for two weeks. So he was off for two weeks with me, the first two weeks. So that was great. Um, my mom came over that it was even that day or the very next day like she made like a whole thanksgiving meal mm -hmm. so like we had food um my sorority sisters came over and they like bought me food and things of nature and they were like come by and it was actually fine because i didn't have any like i felt like i was supported by everyone and then with him with the first two weeks and um because he worked so much so him just being home with like the both of us was great and because of the pregnancy, you know, going so fine, like the delivery basically went through natural. I was fine when I came home. Like I remember mopping the floor like well, four days okay. after I came home. Right. So I was like ended. I was like, okay, I could do this. Like, let's go. So um that was really postpartum for me. It was kind of like just hanging in there until like week three. And my son was like, sleep, what's that? And he just basically <laughs> was like, I'm not sleeping. And that's when all of the like anger and the sadness, I just was like, why, why won't you go to sleep? What is wrong with you? My baby is, I got a defect. I got to take him back. There's some wrong baby. So he, um, he just, he wasn't a sleeper. He was not a sleeper. So I was so tired and I was off of work for the first nine weeks. So when week 10 came and I had to go back to work, I was literally a zombie. I was like, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to be up with him all night long because he's breastfed. So yeah. it's not like I can give him to my husband. So I just was like, I'm just up and working on two hours of sleep, period. And I was just like, I'm going to make it work. So I passed out on this floor somewhere. Oh, my goodness. Okay. All right. <laughs> so then can you talk a bit about your transition back to work? Like, aside from being a zombie, <laughs> um, like what kind of preparations did you put in place to make that transition back? And like, how did you feel about it? Like, what was that like? So that was extremely, that was a sad period for me because I did not want to leave my baby. I was like, first of all, I was, it was a miracle that I even had him. So I was like, I don't want to leave him. And like, I used to talk so background is oh it's always been my mom and my sisters me my mom and my sister we call each other like a triangle like that's just the three of us so mm -hmm. I used to complain all the time to my mom and my sister still to this day and I'm just like I don't want to leave my baby like how am I going to do this like I'm not going to school I don't want to teach somebody else's kids I want to stay with my kids forget yeah. these kids that's just kind of like the feeling I had like I don't want to see these kids even though I loved my babies mm -hmm. I was like I didn't start the year off with them. I didn't even know them. So yeah. it was November and I just was kind of like, oh. um, so my sister who was going to college at the time decided to change her schedule around and she watched my son until June. So okay. it successfully like allowed me to go to work and have like peace of mind was the fact that when I left out the door, I knew that like the best person in the world that could have him besides my mom was there. So that gave me like peace of mind. So, yeah. um, so it wasn't as bad as it could. If I would have had to put him into like a daycare, I don't know if I would have still been with Baltimore city public schools. Cause I really was like, I cannot, but she stayed with him into June. Then I was off those two months, July and August. And then I found this wonderful um, woman who had him up into three. And she actually has my other son now. So I found like a neighborhood, like the neighborhood grandma that holds all the kids. I found like, like that. And, um, and that made it like a little better. So that was my preparation. It was a lot of figuring out who was going to have him. How does this work? Like he's breastfed, you know, have I pumped enough bottles? Do I introduce formula now? Because when do I pump? Because I'm at work. So it just was kind of like a whole mental thing. Like, you know, how do we prepare for this? Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It's a lot. It's a lot to, to juggle and manage. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Um, so talk about your second pregnancy and birth. What was the, what was that experience like? Well, first of all, like, yeah teaching for a while you're minding your business and then poof you're pregnant again so like 
what and was that, that moment like? What was that like? <laughs> okay, that was a hot mess. Okay, so that this is that's the pregnancy that led to my tiny terror. That's what I call him. Okay, he is just like the most and the most like he's just the most. Um, that pregnancy was a complete shot. When I tell you that was a, I bought seven pregnancy tests. Cause I was like, this is not true. There's no way this is true. Like what is happening right now? Yeah. Um, what happened was I went out for my birthday. So my birthday is February the 12th. Okay. Went out for my birthday with my husband, went to go see an Erykah Badu concert, you know, had a nice weekend with my husband. And at the end of February, I started to feel like death warmed over. And I was like, oh my gosh, I remember this feeling. Like, what's happening here? So before even going to the doctors, I like just went straight to CVS and I purchased one of every kind of test. I'm talking about the one that said pregnant, the one that had the two lines, the one that had the plus sign, the one that had the dots. I wanted each one. I even went to the dollar store and got the dollar store one. I spent like $50 on pregnancy tests. And I peed on all of them. And they just like, in a row, they was like, pregnant, 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 pregnant. And I just laid on my counter. And I just was like, let me just wait till he come home. Because this is a mess. No clue. Okay? No clue. This was five years later. Like, we were not, we were not banking on this happening. And it definitely did. And it's just like, wow. Oh my so, gosh. That's yes. so funny. Okay. So and then I was, and then with him as well, they found out when I went to the doctors that I was about three weeks. So come to find out that I just, you know, I find my signs early, like when it happened. It's just like immediate, like, yeah, it's immediate. Like, yeah, like, Something's attacking you. Yeah. <laughs> Something's wrong. Right. Not just me anymore. What was so and what was his birth story like? Um, he so he is my premature child. Okay. So he's my preemie, um, my baby. He's like I said, my tiny Tara, because the only thing that's little about him is his size, besides that he's like a giant in every way. Um he his pregnancy was very different than my son's. I was the hungriest person on earth. Like I was like, I want to eat everything at all times. Like I was showing with him at like five or six weeks. I feel like, like it was insane. So, um, my belly came super fast with my first son. I really didn't have a belly because I, you know, I, I lost so much weight, but with this baby, um, I couldn't wear pants after like three months I was wearing nothing but dresses because nothing fit over my stomach that's and what that's what I say yeah the second pregnancy was real like it was yeah. instant. and um and we thought that he was a girl because it was so opposite from my first I was like oh this like I'm about to have my little girl because that's what this is so his pregnancy so we found out about him at the end of February mm-hmm. um everything was great and but in the summertime, I developed high blood pressure with him. And um, I thought that was because I was just hungry. Like, and that's when Popeye's chicken sandwiches came out. So that was my thing. Like, I would drive to, like, a Popeye's and get a chicken sandwich at any time. Like, that was my thing. So I thought that, you know, with the food I was eating, because before that, I was a vegetarian. So I was like, I'm eating chicken now. Like, I'm eating bacon. Like, that's why I have high blood pressure. So... My doctor was like, cut it out. I was like, I can't. That's all I crave. It's like, Ooh, that's all I want. I'm just, I just smell it in my sleep. I just want chicken. It's insane. So in, so in July, I start having high blood pressure readings. And around August is when my doctor was like, listen, we're going to have to put you on high blood pressure medicine because like this is getting out of control. I was like, okay. And she started to, and then my, then, um, my body started to retain like so much fluid, right? I just was like, oh my God. It's like literally you could not see my ankles. Like I could press my, like my finger on my ankles and like see dents in my, like it was insane. This is craziness. Like I never knew any of this was going on. So August comes, is this what, uh, I'm just rambling. Tell me if this is like- No, this is perfect. Thank you. Okay. 
Yeah. So August, August comes and I wake up and basically I'm like in a pool of like, I thought it was like urine. I was like, I pee on myself. So I was like, what is going on here? So I called my doctor and my doctor was like, um, is anything still coming out? I was like, no. She was like, well, then chances are you just beat on yourself. Like, you know, get yourself together and wear a panty liner. I was like, okay. So I was good with it. So um, I went back to school in September and started to prepare. He was due November 5th. Okay. So October comes. So, oh, so and then in September, my blood pressure reading started getting higher and higher and higher, okay. even though I was on medication. So that was weird. I had tried my best to cut back on like food and like change my diet and things like that and it didn't work. But I was like, okay, something's going on. And then they started to um, require me to come in every Tuesday and Thursday to get like this monitoring done. Uh-huh. And, um, and I was doing it and everything came out fine with the monitoring. Well, October the 10th, so he was about 36 weeks. Okay. October the 10th, I went in to get my 36 week ultrasound and I bought my son. So I bought my first son, my husband was there. We're like, we're gonna see your brother, yay. And she puts the wand across my stomach and literally you saw nothing. Oh. I'm talking about, it looked like static from an old TV. Was okay. She was like, what's, what's going on here? So she was like, move, doing all this movement. Like she pushed my belly around. Wow. She finally found the baby. She measured the baby. She was like, oh my God, like he's measuring so small. Yeah. And she's like, okay, we need to contact. Like that was the nurse that did that, the technician. So she's like, um, we need to contact your doctor. So my doctor comes in and She's like, I don't like, we don't know what's happening. Like you've been being monitored every Tuesday and Thursday. Da, da, da. So come to find out in August, when I woke up in that puddle of what I thought was yarn, uh-huh. my water basically. <gasps> oh my God. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he, so at that time, so he would have been 28 weeks at that time. Not only did my placenta stop growing also the amount of fluid that was around him strunk like expedition. So the reason why they couldn't see him is because he was literally like smashed up on like the bed. Like shrink wrapped, like. Yeah, like he was like in there like, oh, I'm still chilling, but uh, I can't breathe like this. What's happening here? So, um, so she was like, okay, you need to go to the doctors. Like, like you need to go to the hospital immediately. Like we're having a C-section now. And I was like, what? It's October, like this baby's not due to November. Like I have no idea what's going on. They they scheduled me for emergency C-section and they was gonna induce my labor. I got there at like 11 o'clock at night on the 10th. They started to induce my labor and um, immediately when they did the first contraction, his heartbeat dropped. So they was like, oh, you can't do inducing. So we just have to take him out. He was born at like four o'clock. So I literally had no labor with him because I got there expecting to have two or three days of being induced and yeah. they were, and he couldn't handle it because he was so small. Yeah, yeah. So when he came out, they were like, oh my gosh, like your placenta is the size of somebody's placenta that would have been 28 weeks. He's yeah. only three, he was only three pounds. So wow. it was crazy. So at 36 weeks, the time I carried him, he's only three pounds, but he had no lung issues. He was the loudest little teeny thing of all time. He had no wires, no tubes, no anything. He was in the NICU because he couldn't regulate his sugar at the time. Okay. So we were, so I was the NICU mom for about 14 days, so about actually two weeks. Exactly. We came out on October the 25th. And other than that, like he just was a small baby. So that was his whole story. So the, so the high blood pressure and everything was leading up to the idea. What I thought was food was actually me. After I had him and he was in the NICU, they found out before I, um, they had to test my urine before I went home. They found out that I had preeclampsia. So I had to go through a magnesium drip for 24 hours. Like it was so much drama surrounding his, like his birth. But when I tell you, literally this little boy is just like yeah i'm small but I, i'm here like right now he's 15 months and at 15 months he's only 20 pounds so so he's really supposed to be like 24 so he's still small for his age uh-huh. like this thing is like talking my head off and like yeah. up and climbing on things and i'm like boy you've been here before because you was a hot mess <laughs> so that's my little tiny tara 
So oh, his story is so different than my first. Yeah. I mean, it's insane. So, okay. So then just to make sure that I understand, you, you, they didn't diagnose you prior to having him with preeclampsia. That nope. was something, so that that's something that they didn't catch. They didn't catch. They literally took, well, actually, let me, let me um, be clear about, let me make sure I'm saying it right. When I went in to be induced, they asked for urine. When the urine, and then he came like hours later, like that. The urine that they found, that they was like, oh yeah, let's check the urine before all hell broke loose with her. Oh, snap. It says that it's preeclampsia. Like it's some stuff up in her urine. Oh, let's check it again. Oh, oh, it's big time. Let's put her on a magnesium drip. Literally, that's how it went. It was like, y'all, I was almost out the door. When I tell you it was my day of leaving, it was that Wednesday. And he was going to stay. But I was like, okay, I'm going home to my baby. I was packing my stuff up. And the doctor came in like, hold up, wait a minute. Because if you leave, you can have. (laughs) Actually, you have to stay for another 24 hours in a different room with a magnesium drip. And you have to pee every hour to pee this magnesium out because you can have a seizure, you can have this, you can have that, all of these things with preclampsia that was not on my radar because no one brought this up to me, but I should have been more perceptive when it came to like the high blood pressure, things like that, because as soon as he came out, my blood pressure dropped and I, I've ne- I haven't had since then. So yeah. everything like warning, warning, something's happening inside your body. And I was just like, give me the chicken. Like, I didn't think it was like <laughs> nothing. <the> chicken. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> so I, you know, it was, it was insane. But that pregnancy was all surrounded by God. Let me just tell you, because that yeah. boy to be here. So then can you walk me through the moment when you had to leave your son in the NICU? Like, what were you feeling in that oh, moment? That was horrible. That was hands down one of the worst experiences like that I ever felt. I was, um, so I gave birth at Greater Baltimore Medical Center and they had like a baby NICU, like a little teeny because it was a new hospital. So it was like for the babies that just had like little teeny problems and not that he had a large problem, but he was so small and his sugar level was so low. They were like, we're not, we can't, actually handle this so they were like let's send him to mercy which is our um partner we're gonna send him to mercy and then i promise you like at mercy you can talk to every day you have like video cameras to see him all this other kind of stuff and the idea that i was still in the hospital and he was getting discharged to another hospital it was the worst okay the worst yeah Yeah. So he, um, so that was like really painful. Like that was a lot of tears, a lot of crying, a lot of screaming, a lot of trying to just figure out like, what am I going to do? My husband was basically split in half because he was split in thirds. He had to take care of our oldest son. Yeah. Five at the time. He had to make sure I was okay in the hospital. And then our other child was in a whole separate place in the NICU. So it's just like, what is going on here? So I was based, so he got transferred that Monday. I was stuck into that Wednesday because of the preeclampsia situation. So that was bad. Um, but when I got out that Thursday, now remind you, I had a C-section. Yeah. And the doctors was the doctors told me like the best thing to heal from the C-section is rest. But I was like, I can't rest. Like my son, like my son is in a whole different hospital. That's mm-hmm ways away and the way mercy is set up is you have to literally walk over this huge bridge and then walk and then go like through the hospital to make it to like the NICU it just was like a far walk completely from maybe park so every day with this fresh c-section sore with this bind this um bind around my stomach I'm like trucking it because I was not going to let one day go by that I didn't see him like I was like while SJ is in school, because he was going to George Washington at that time, mm-hmm. I was in a pre-K. I was like, while he's in pre-K, I'm spending all my time with seven. And then when he get out, like, so that was my day. Wake up, drop SJ off at school, go see seven in the hospital until 2.30, go get SJ, 
do the whole mom thing in the evening, go back and do it again. So basically for my C-section, I had no rest and recovery time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So kind of like a constant, like going, going, going. Oh, yeah. Um, and that was really hard on me um, that when I think about it, I, I'm grateful that I was able to do it, but I feel like I pushed myself to a level because it was at one point in time where like my legs and everything was shaking from exhaustion wow. because I literally had like this major surgery and I had like this magnesium drip and I had, I was on oxycodone because um, of the pain and like everything yeah. that I had been through. But I was like, no, like there's not going to be one day that goes by that seven's not going to see my face. So I'm going seven days a week. I'm standing up there for hours and hours and hours. I was in like the NICU changing my C-section bandages because like, you know, I was just like, I'm just going to get this done. Mm -hmm. So leaving him every night was like so insane to me and like so unnatural because I just wasn't used to that. So I used to call the nurse, oh, those, they are angels. NICU nurses are angels because oh, I, literally yeah. called, I literally called his nurse like five times. A night I would be like what's he doing now and how's his numbers now because he used to get his finger and his thumb prick to see if his sugar level was high enough because mm -hmm. if he had five days of having a sugar level above 60 then he could come home so I used to call all the time like what's his level what's his level like they would know it's me because I would call so often so it was it was very traumatizing. I will say that. Like, when I think about it to this day, like, the first thing I feel like is, like, a sunken feeling. Like, oh, my gosh, I was so tired. But you got to do what you have to do, you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what advice do you have for parents who are experiencing that, where they have to leave their preemies in the NICU? What advice do you have for families who are going through that right now? See, here's the thing. Now with COVID, I don't know what that would be like. I can't imagine if I would have had to go through that with having a, I can only imagine like the limited time that they might have to go up there or if they can even visit. I don't know how, you know, the new thing is with them, but my advice for the moms and the dads that, you know, will have to leave their baby in a NICU is just to pray about it, to know that it's temporary. It's temporary and it might seem like the saddest days ever to leave him but or leave the child the girl or boy but your baby is in like the best hands those people are trained to be there and you're going to look up and say you know that was that was a memory and it's it's over now so yeah, yeah. just know that nothing lasts forever right advice. just pray about it <laughs> okay yeah. Um, can we talk about breastfeeding really quick? Of course. <laughs> what is breastfeeding like for you in both the uh, situations? So completely opposites. So my first child breastfed until a month before he turned three. Okay. I literally had to go on vacation. I went to Jamaica for five days in order to get him to that. Like that was like... I have to leave. Like, I was like, we have to get out of here. There's no way he's ever going to stop breastfeeding. And he breastfed until almost three, like literally to the day. And um, that was like a connection for me because breastfeeding has always been so like spiritually tied. And like, I love the idea of like, when he wasn't feeling well, like my breast milk increasing and just mm -hmm. seeing like his body's growing because of the milk that I'm giving him and the things that I'm eating is like reflecting like in him and things like that. So breastfeeding has always been like super special. Now with my tiny Tara, he still breastfeeds at 15 months. Okay. But um, he's not really, he's like, he'll breastfeed to go to sleep. Okay. And other than that, he's not like a big breastfeeder unless he falls. If he hurts himself, he's like, I need mommy and I need to nurse like right now. But if he's if he hasn't fell, like if he's just chilling all day long, he doesn't even look nowhere close to my breast. Like that's just not his thing. Where my first son was like, oh no, we're breastfeeding like multiple times a day 
for years. This one, I can see he's going to be a little easier to like get off the boob at nighttime. As long as he has like his coconut milk bottle, he's like, I'm good. As long as you're beside me, he does still do the grab your breast and hold it thing. Yeah. So still, yeah. Um, but besides that, he's like completely different. I, I love the idea of breastfeeding. It's hard. It hurts sometimes. Yeah. But the idea that you're that you make the milk to like help them and all the antibodies that's in your body and things mm-hmm. like that go into them. I love it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Breastfeeding was <laughs> was a journey. <laughs> yeah. I I uh, I think well I think I stopped like maybe when he like two months before he turned two. Awesome. So, but I did not like it. Like you didn't like it at all. He was like, no, nope. I, I did not like it. Um, but like, I did it for as long as I could stand. And then I was like, I don't know. I can't take this anymore. <laughs> I love it. I love it. He was like, it's over. Yeah. Was um, it hard for him to get off? Because my son literally, it's like he had a funeral. Like when, when Jay was going, when he found, when I came back home, he was trying to nurse again. He cried for days straight. I was like, you are in mourning. Like what is happening here? It was like, not, it was not a good experience. Like getting him to finally be off. He was like, no, this is not happening. Wow. No, it wasn't that hard. I just kind of like told him, we're not nursing tonight. Here's, there's a cup of milk from a cow, like. Wow. And he was like, okay. I mean, he cried a little bit, but it, you know, after a while he was just like, okay, fine. You know. I love it. I love yeah. it. Not mine. Mine was completely. <laughs> um, okay. So let's talk about pandemic parenting. Oh my gosh. How's it going? How's your family coping? And how are you coping with kind of like being a teacher and balancing it all? Like, how are you guys doing? Listen, it is drama and hard. It is so hard. I um, So SJ's in kindergarten this year and okay. he's in my class. So imagine that, right? So I am trying to teach 20 kids online and then teach him because his desk is right beside my desk. So I'm still like, focus, pay attention. Oh, wait a minute, let's go get, take your break. And it's just like, oh my goodness. I feel like the teaching and the parenting part, I am literally split in so many ways to the point where Saturdays and Sundays, there's no planning, there's no school talk. I don't care if you have homework. I don't care if somebody sends me a meeting. It's you want to be on the computer? Nope. All nope. technology is shut down. It's yeah. just not. It's email. What's email? Yeah, email. Like, no, I'm deleting my Outlook app every Friday and I'll read, I'll put it back on my <laughs> It's insane. Like, I am um, pandemic parenting is just like hard. And it's, you know what? It's so guilt. It's so guilt written too. Wow. Because I'm like, all my baby has is like, okay, his brother is one. And although they play and they're like the best of friends, SJ6. So like he wants to do like active things and seven is like crawling on the floor. Yeah. So it's so, I feel so guilty at times cause I'm like, maybe I should go take him to a walk or take him on a walk. Or maybe we should go to a park. Oh wait, that playground might not be safe because what if it's germs on that playground? Okay, we can't go to a playground. Okay, um, let me give him this tablet. Oh wait, can't have him on a tablet too long because what they say about screen time, but yeah. hold on. We're not doing nothing anyway. So, you know, go ahead and watch this extra movie if you want. So then it's kind of like, am I buying him too many toys to substitute him, you know, not being around friends? Am I letting him watch TV too much? Should he have a bedtime? Why? We're not going anywhere. It's all he has to get up in the morning. His Zoom session doesn't start to tip. So it's just kind of like, we are over here freestyling life. Like, I feel like I'm just winging it. This yes. With pandemic, I'm just over here like, just don't kill yourself. That's kind of like it's. I'm winging it, and I'm just hoping that it's going to end soon, and he'll be able to be around, you know, people safely and things like that. But until then, he's on his hoverboard, rolling around the house, running everything over, and I'm over here trying to teach at the same time and wheel him in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's difficult. Yeah. 
Wow. Yeah, that's so interesting. Thank you for touching on the, the guilt piece of it, because I feel that yeah. every second of every day, I'm just yeah. like, oh, God, I'm not, and I'm not, like, teaching or, like, doing half the things that you're doing, but I'm just, like, like, at a certain point, it's, like, I'm with my kid 24-7. I don't get a break. Exactly. Like, exactly. I... I, like at the end of the day, I literally put him to bed and I just like sit and I zone out. Yes. Think, then I feel bad. So I'm like, oh man, like Mari got like two hours of screen time today. And like, is uh-huh. that going to have ADHD now? Like, you know, <laughs> just like all these things. All the things all that you read about. Life. Yes. Okay. Like, I feel I like mean, none of it's valid. None of it applies during a pandemic for something doesn't apply well yeah so thank you for touching on that seriously that's the main feeling that I have it's just kind of like oh I want to you know I want to get him out there and I want to do certain things but I'm like I rubber him and then it's really looking at the idea for me now that Baltimore City is touching and on going back to school and being in person Mm -hmm. it's like no I don't no not for my baby and yes I do want him to be around other people and to socialize, but I can't risk something happening to him. So it's like, I'd rather just suck this year. Ooh, it'll be a year in March that it's just been me and him. Solo dog. Yeah. <laughs> no, I'd rather just suck this year up and know that he's safe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'll make up for the socialization later. And, like, we'll do, like, Zoom birthday parties or we'll, like, walk, take a long walk. And when you see people across the street, he, like, waves. But it's to the point where, where like, my baby is now talking to the stuffed animals. He's like, how was school today? Oh, today was good. And, they, and I'm like, my child has imaginary friends now because yeah. there are no friends. <laughs> so it's just, like, a whole guilty, like, yes. oh, but, you know, I'm just taking a go with a bad. All right. Many, a lot of people said that like 2020 was the year that caused them to like pivot and change their approach to how they move and operate in this world. So did you experience anything like that? And if so, like what changes are you looking most forward to this year in 2021? Hmm. Um, you know what? 2020... I did experience that. Um, it actually caused me to move slower. I'm so, I'm used to being so, let's go, like 15 alarms on my phone, um, you know, seven, has to take a bath at this particular time. Actually, yeah. has to take a bath at this particular time. We have, to do, we have to be laid down by this time. Like, I was so stuck on, like, being the person who needed to have control of everything yeah and now kind of with this pandemic it's just kind of like if it happens it happens and i realized that if sj goes a night without a bath like he's not going to wake up a pile of salt like he'll be fine he he's fine like he can take a bath in the morning or we can skip a day okay we're fine yeah. So that's just kind of like, that's what I'm taking into 2021. It's kind of like, you're not always in control. You can slow down. Everything isn't scheduled. Like yeah. some things you just wing it and just be free about it. And I didn't, I'm like that with, I see this is, this is dead though. I'm like that with um, like my personal life and mm-hmm. things like that, but I'm not that way as far as mommyhood is concerned or yeah. professionally. Mm-hmm. And I put that into my mommyhood now because with them, I always felt like in order to be a good mom, you need to make sure that they are eating their vegetables and going to bed at this time and taking a bath at this time and like, you know, no screen time and make sure that and now I'm just kind of like, they are fine. Then last night he had boxed macaroni and cheese for dinner. And I was just like, you know what? You liked it and you ate and you were okay. And that's what he did. So yeah. I'm just kind of like just easy breezing it through life right now because it's so much drama out there in the world. In this household, in this tiny little box of mine, I just wanted to be as carefree as possible. So uh, everything yeah. isn't neat. 
Everything isn't as scheduled and planned, but it's just kind of like, it's us and everybody's alive. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That is awesome. Like, thank you so much. Cause I just feel like a lot of times we don't give ourselves like that kind of permission to like slow down or let pe- things not be perfect. Like mm-hmm. my son had saltine crackers for dinner. There we go. <laughs> and, like, I mean, he had like other things, but like that was like part of his dinner. That was his starch. Mm-hmm. And that was what he wanted. And he's fine, you know, like he's growing fine, you know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he's okay. Yeah, Listen, he's fine. That's what it um, is. Sometimes I feel like we just got to give ourselves a breathing. That's kind of me being a pot calling the kettle black because I don't really give myself as much breathing as I should. But when things are out of my control, I'm just kind of like, well, it didn't happen today. It'll happen tomorrow, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, so how, so, okay. Can you talk to me a little bit about the significance of raising black boys in the U.S. today? Can you talk to me about the significance of raising black boys in the United States today? Like what goes, th- what goes through your mind? Like as you parent your boys, how do you strive to set them up for success? Like, what are you thinking, especially given like the kind of um, climate we're in right now? Like, what do you, what, what goes through your mind when you think about that? It is the scariest thing in the world. Mm-hmm. I am, I'm petrified to be honest with you because the my children so my husband is um 64 280 pounds he's a big guy and my son is already my young oldest is way taller than he's supposed to be at this age Mm -hmm. and this little one is half the size of my son and he's just one so i'm bound to have like these huge statues like boys you know Yeah. yeah And it scares me with the climate and the culture that we're in because I know that when people see them or I just don't want them to be a threat as a black boy. Um, I want them to radiate the shine that they have. I want them to radiate the light and the joy. My oldest son is the happiest child on earth. Like he feels all the feels he is super excited about life. He's like, he gets excited. Like if the if a piece of man comes, he's like, peace out. Like he's singing to the piece of man. Like he's just like the happiest person ever, ever. And I just pray that he's always going to be seen for like that shine that he has that's inside of him. So it kind of scares me because I know that in a few years, I'm going to have to have conversations hard with them. Like, hey, you know, like, this is what happens if you are pulled over by the police, or this is what happens if you're in a certain environment and someone might feel threatened by your size or threatened by your skin color, or you know, or many, many things. So, um, so right now, at this moment, I'm still living in my rose colored glasses bubble, I haven't kind of like popped it yet because I'm like you know he's six he's one I have some time but in the back of my head I see things like things that happen on television and all of like the um killings of unarmed black men and things like that and I'm like that legit like could have been my son because it just could have had like the circumstances who would know it could be my husband like when my husband walks through the door every night like him turning the key is my absolute favorite sound in the world because I know that he's sick and it's like going to be I know it's not going to be so long where I feel that way about my voice and I can't say well we're picking up and we're moving out of Baltimore because Things happen everywhere, you know? Sure, absolutely. So I'm just like on a mission to just teach them to be respectful, mannerable, stand up for what they believe in, to be strong, but not overbearing, to be educated, but not pushy, um, to be just amazing men. Because that's just kind of like, I want them just to be an amazing husband and uh, father and worker and just have like that kind of thing so 
it's scary, but I'm kind of like, right now I don't put too much into it, which I know I probably should start thinking about it because I just want to enjoy like their, their little bit of time right now. Yes, <laughs> like, absolutely. I have a lot of time left of this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I get that. No, I get that, seriously. Um, okay, so what about your relationship? So how are you able to be present as a mother and in your relationship? And like, what advice do you have for people who are just like navigating their own emotions as well as like being present for their significant other and their kids and their job? Like relationship thing? Like what, like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? What are we doing? I'm just, let me tell you, it's a mess. Um, so with, okay, with my first, I was completely just him. I was like, even though I've been married to you, I've, I've been with my husband for 14 years now. Okay. So even though we were together like nine years before my son came, I was like, who are you? I'm all about me and my baby. Like you sleep downstairs if you want to. So and that was horrible. That was like not the best thing in the world. So I kind of like did like a lot of pushing him aside and it did not do well for our relationship but he's a very like upfront and like honest person to like a fault sometimes so he kind of told me like I'm feeling neglected he didn't say it in that way because he's a, that man that's not going to communicate that well oh like, get no time so it's kind of like that kind of situation so I, I read it as he was feeling a little bit more neglected he didn't feel like he was a part of it um because motherhood swallows you up it's 24 hours a day, seven days a week. It's like, I, there's no lunch breaks. There's no clocking out. I can't even use the bathroom without them knocking on the door. Like, mommy, look at this. What? Like, it's in. <laughs> and my husband can come home and he can go upstairs and use the bathroom for 45 minutes and then take a shower for an hour. And I'm like, you've been gone for 10 hours. And now you've been upstairs for another two. We haven't seen you for 12 hours straight. My kids don't say nothing. Let me go upstairs for 10 minutes. They're like, mommy, are you alive? You okay? What are you doing? So kids kind of swallow you up. So my advice, which is probably not even good advice, because I really need advice myself, is to kind of like try the best you can. Yeah. Uh, with this one, I, with my smallest, I did things different. I kind of like had my husband involved in all of it. I always say, go get your child. I did the whole year child situation. Don't pull that. Mm-hmm. Um, stop it. So I did, stop it. So I did the whole, your child, go do this. Or, you know, go, I kind of like gave him tasks to be as involved as possible with my youngest child. Um, and then when it came time for them going to sleep, I always managed to like stay up for like an hour or two later, which is a killer. Okay? It's like when they close their eyes, I want to close my eyes too. But I know that it's important to like give him as much time as possible. Even yeah. if it's watching him edit his photography or, or talking to him about something that happened crazy at work or like yeah. watching TikTok videos, sending it back and forth. With him. Even if it's as small as that, I try to stay up for additional hour just to give him a little bit of like my time. Um, mm-hmm. No, us, not my time, but time for us to be together. together. Yeah. yeah. Okay. But it's, it's hard. Oh my gosh. It it's is. like, it's like, how do you do this? And it's, 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 yeah. It's it not- really is. It's so hard. I think, yeah. Look, yeah. the first year. Mm-hmm. I was just like, I don't know, guys. Like, <laughs> I don't yeah. know. But yeah, um, that's we're true. Finally, we're finally like in a groove now. <laughs> See, and that's a good thing. Yeah. And we, we're just kind of like, uh, you know, okay. <laughs> yeah. I'll best. It's, it's rough. Yeah, it's hard. It is. All right. So you have a side business. I do. Can you talk a little bit about that? What inspired the idea for it? And what are you hoping it becomes later down the line? So my um, side business, I make drinks. <laughs> this is so bad. Okay, this is how it started. I was the one at the party like, hey, let me pour you a drink. Like, 
You don't need to call the bartender. You just need to give me some drinks. I'll put them together and make drinks for everybody at the party. I've always been that girl. Like, oh, your cup, your cup is empty. Let me like make it. So at this time, I'm driving to get my um my business to get like an LLC and things like that, so it could be like a little bit more legal. Okay. Um, but I am, but that kind of inspired it. The whole idea of I love lemonade. I love everything about lemonade. I love the different flavors of lemonade. So I just started to take yeah. the idea of my friend saying to me at one particular party, she's like, you need to jar these and sell them because let me tell you something, I'd rather buy this than what's at the bar. And I was like, okay, wait a minute. Hey, okay. So like, that's kind of like how the situation went. And um, at this point right now, I've stopped making them okay. only because I'm so overwhelmed with life. It's like this pandemic mom thing. I can't imagine like doing anything else except for like special holidays, maybe. But besides that, like I haven't sold anything since like Halloween because it takes a lot. But um, my hope is that when life slows down and things come like a little bit back to normal and I'm not a mommy 24-7 in this house that I can start to like pick up where it is and kind of like you know get my bartending license and get my LLC and then like actually branch into like making my drink um operation like a full-blown like thing because I really enjoy it I love like I love serving people like that's my thing I wish that I could cook for masses because I would be that person that owns a restaurant like I love that kind of thing but yeah right now it's just a little busy so it's okay. hard to run that with life that's happening with this mama show. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. <Thank you. laughs> Shout out. Shout out. <laughs> okay, so one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was the importance of taking care of oneself and one's health. Yeah. Um, and so like, just from being around you and like working with you, I know that you've experienced like some health challenges just like in your own life. And so like, can you talk to me about like some, how you worked through those or like how you're working through those and how you take care of yourself? I'm trying to still figure that out. I, um, I have started, and this was just recently, fairly recently, I started to uh, put the, I would send the children upstairs. Their father would come home, take a shower, get out the bathtub, start editing. He would take the boys upstairs. And at like nine o'clock, I would um, stay downstairs and I've started to like meditate for, you know, 15 to 20 minutes, just a YouTube video on meditation. I would do that. Um, I would, I started to like do exercise. Like I love like soak aerobics. So I would spend a little bit of time doing that. Um, it might be as simple as like just drinking a glass of wine, but I've, I have dedicated spending at least 20 minutes at the very least to myself, um, every day. And it happens to be at night, but it kind of lets me become Ariel and not stay in mommy or Miss Watson. Like I try to get Ariel time so that, that, um, I do that for, you know, like 20 minutes strong and then, or a little longer, depending on what that, what I'm doing at that time. But I think it's super important to always like say, like you have the babies, like they're fed, they're washed, everything's great. Let them play, but they need to play near you because I want to be downstairs on a completely different floor, the completely different level. And I want to tune everyone out, act like y'all don't even exist and focus on me for a second. And that's kind of like how I... I do that daily. Awesome. That's awesome. So this isn't on my list of questions, but you did mention that um, you you experienced like some of the symptoms of like PCOS. Mm-hmm. And so I was wondering if you felt comfortable kind of like sharing um, like your journey through kind of like working through that. Cause I know it's, it's a challenge for a lot of women mm-hmm. um, and you know, just wondering, you know, if, if you had any like tips or advice for kind of like navigating that. Um, so I started to experience it that in my twenties, I okay. started that I, I became familiar with it because my 
my menstrual cycle became super irregular. Like I'm talking about three times a year type of irregular. Wow. I was like, what's happening here? And um, I started to grow like facial hair. Like, let me tell you, (laughs) if you leave me in a cabin alone in three weeks, I will have a full grown beard and mustache. It can go down. I'm just trying to tell you, like, this is what happens. So I, um, I started to, my baby's like crying in the background. I'm sorry. So I started to, um, so I went to the doctor because I was just like, something's wrong here. Look at this. And something's happening down here. We need to figure this out. So that's when I was basically diagnosed. They like ran some testing and things like that. And I was told to change my diet. So I became, um, I started to not become a strict vegetarian, but I cut out like all meat except for chicken. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after a while, I cut out chicken too because my husband's a vegetarian. So I, I jumped on his board and I controlled my um, I controlled my eating habits. This is pre-baby. I controlled like my exercise. I walked every day yeah. and um, I just read like a lot of books. I read up on a lot of things to try to like regulate my menstrual cycle naturally. Yeah. And the goal has always been to have children, but that's the biggest thing they tell you with that. They're like, you know, it's an infertility thing. Like, you know, you, there's a chances are that, you know, that you won't have a baby. I'm just like, oh, not wanting to have a child so bad. I knew that I wanted to be a mom my entire life. So I basically did a lot of research and a lot of like figuring out what can I do without taking medication. I'm really big on not taking meds. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to see if there was anything I can do to like help. That's basically, um, and I kept up with my yearly doctor visits and um, that's just kind of like how I navigated through it. So what, so the only advice I have for that kind of thing is, this is nothing in it, baby, is um, do research on it Mm -hmm. and figure out like the things that you can do to naturally help like any symptoms that a person would have. Cause I just, I had to take it into my own hands and like not always trust and believe what doctors say. Even though I love yeah. doctors, they're very knowledgeable. Our body, everybody's body is different. Absolutely, absolutely. So I had yeah. to go through that part. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing. Just cause I know it's a lot, a lot of women really, you know, some of the symptoms can be like quite painful. And a lot of times like, this kind of like one sh- one sh- one size fits all approach doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. And so then you've got like these women who are going to all these different doctors and they're running all these different tests and trying to figure out exactly like what works. And like, it's really like an individual case by case thing. Like somebody who takes birth control to control it, that might not work for somebody else, so. Exactly. Thank and you. Some bodies, you know, reject certain things, so. You got to just find out what's good for you. And it's a lot of trial and error, but um, it it works out at the end. I'm still, after having two children, I still am not regular. Um, I still have, you know, the the hair. um, And um, I'm still like super hormonal at times. Um, But it's not as, since I've had my children, it's not like a painful situation. Okay. So my last question is, if you could have a motherhood, a motherhood superpower, anything at all, what would be your superpower and why? Oh my goodness. This is the best. First of all, can I just tell you, this has been the most fun interview in the universe. Yeah, I'm in love. I am so in love. My motherhood superpower. I would have, wait, okay, only one? Okay, one. Let me, let me name that. What would I like better? That or, yep. Okay, here would be my superpower. I have the ability to snap my fingers and it's bedtime. And both of them go to sleep for 10 hours. I'm talking about 10 hours strong. I'm talking a smooth eight to six or 10 to eight something. Like I need to be able to say, powers unite. And they're like, <laughs> and then go waking up in between. That's my superpower. Like you know what? Bedtime. First I was gonna say snap my fingers and my house will be clean because the amount of toys that come is unreal. Like I don't ever remember having this much stuff. Like I don't know if my mom spent every day cleaning up like I do, but I literally clean all day. So I was gonna say 
snap my fingers and my house be clean. But I'd rather them just be sleep. I'll clean the house while they're sleeping. So. Yeah. <laughs> I like that. That is that's amazing. That's awesome. Okay. That's awesome. <laughs> Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much um, for your time. I appreciate it so much. This was amazing. Hey, mamas and lovers of mamas out there. Motherhood is a struggle like none I have ever experienced. I'm Kareem Santish, founder and CEO of The Mama Struggle where we promote radical honesty surrounding the good, the bad, and the ugly aspects of motherhood in the 21st century. Take a listen as I share my own reflections on being a mom of two, on being a stay-at-home parent, and on being a fledgling business owner. Thanks for listening to the podcast today, and remember, the struggle is real.